Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and the co-founder of Think Now. I'm excited to have Maribel Laura today, SVP Head of Consulting at the Sasha Group, a VaynerX company. Um, Maribel was actually a guest couple years ago when we first launched the podcast in a different role. I'm so really excited to have her back, learn more about her new role. Maribel, welcome. Thank you. Where do you want me to start? Wow. Where do we start? I mean, so we were talking a little bit before we started the podcast about um, kind of your new role. would love to learn more about, well, I guess what the Sasha Group is. Um how it's related to VaynerX company and more about what you're doing specifically. Sure. So I started in the Vayner world in 2014 when it was just VaynerMedia. VaynerMedia has started as a social media shop, right? Social media advertising. There was no paid advertising in social media when the company was launched in 2009. It was really focused on the one-to-one communication opportunity for brands and their consumers. So when I came to the company in 2014, paid um, opportunities on social were fairly new. I came from a larger media company um, focused on social where we had been running paid advertising. So I was one of a, a small group of people in the company that knew that. We very quickly like started to grow that department, build that capability. So over the years, VaynerMedia became a full-service marketing and media company. Um, I worked on the account strategy side for two and a half years and then was asked to work directly for our CEO, Gary Vaynerchuk, in a capacity he called the office of the CEO, which was essentially a role to help him scale his presence across the company. Um, He was starting to travel a lot. The company had grown significantly, and he didn't want to be a personal bottleneck. So were there people that could keep moving his agenda forward on different fronts in the company and also help to build an infrastructure? So we had almost doubled in size from about 350 to approaching 700 in the two and a half years I had been at the company. And he didn't have a full C-suite. So he was like, I want you know this U team, this team of four to examine this as well. So we did that. In the second row, um, second year, uh, I transitioned to still working for Gary directly, but focusing on projects or opportunities that could help to grow the agency in interesting ways. And one of the things that I got to work on was a consulting offering for small to mid-market businesses. So this is where like all of these things start to make sense. While VaynerMedia is, you know, we now have pretty traditional clients and we do all sorts of work. Um, Social is at our core, but entrepreneurship is also at our core because our founder didn't come from the advertising world, right? He came from the world of entrepreneurship and family-owned business. That's how he started his career. He took his family business and grew it from $3 million to $60 million in five years on the back of social media because he, he saw it as a new opportunity that was less crowded, that was um, more cost efficient. And when he then ventured out to create his own business, it started as a consultancy. It was major brands having identified what he had done um, for Wine Library and how he had built his personal brand on the back of social media 
that then came came and said, can you do this for us? And that's how VaynerMedia was born. So you fast forward now to 2016, 2017, and Gary still has a significant following in the entrepreneurial and startup space, but that was not who VaynerMedia was meant to serve, right? It, it has over the years of it's serving Fortune 500 companies. Those are very different realities. And so in 2017 and 2018, Gary started to dabble with um, offerings that could potentially service more. I would say we started with like mid-market businesses in some areas and then smaller in other areas. So we launched this consulting offering that I got to work on in its first year. We called it Vayner Mentors. And it was an answer to Gary no longer investing in startups, right? He was sort of capped on his ability to invest in startups in the same way he had, right? Um, And he said, but I still want to support them somehow in a substantive way. So Vayner Mentors was our attempt to do that. So we get a fee at the upfront. We develop a three-year growth plan, and then we stay engaged with those companies in a consulting capacity over the course of those three years to support them and answer questions about the implementation of that growth plan. We also give them access to our network, right? We're reviewing what they're doing and giving them feedback on that. So we're constant partners. There's, There's definitely like a give and take there on a regular basis. In exchange for staying engaged with them over the course of three years and really being an active partner for three years, um, we share in the growth of the company. And the reason that makes sense is the companies we are choosing to work with and who are seeking us out are companies who at one point were growing companies but had since hit a plateau and were struggling to get over that hump. So these are companies that are no longer growing. And so what we're saying to them is like, we believe this plan will work if you implement it. And we're really only going to see upside if you do grow. Um, And we will share in it for those three years. But then after three years, we're out having taken no equity in the company. So you still owe your company 100%. Um, And so we found clients that that was really appealing for. And that was our first consulting offering. Um, So we were having really good success with that. We had been... um, in 2017, we had launched a digital education offering called the four D's where people could buy a seat, come spend a full day with us. And we would take them through a digital marketing curriculum, the way that we run digital marketing, um, in the Vayner world and the way that Gary does it for his personal brand. And so we, we had run through several classes of that, that was doing well. And that was appealing more to, Uh, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, like still in the startup phase, and some mid-market businesses as well who had marketing teams in play, but wanted to make sure that they were developing sound strategies for those teams to execute. Um, And then the third area we were dabbling in was marketing services offerings for um, for mid-market businesses. And that offering was called VaynerBeta. So now we're in the fall of 2018 and we have these three things that are servicing SMBs in different ways. And it was time, we had the proof points to essentially launch a new company, completely focused on that sector. And that's how the Sasha Group was formed. So that's how those things tie together. Our clients at the Sasha Group range from 1 million, which is more so on the education front, upwards of 250 million. Beyond that point, they're really graduating to become VaynerMedia clients. So our hope is that 
we're, we're starting, we're finding these clients really small and they're maturing with us. And eventually they're going to succeed so much so that we're going to graduate them to become VaynerMedia clients. That's great. And, and it's interesting because as you talk about the business, I feel like it's, it's one of those businesses that have always been there within VaynerMedia, right? Because I mean, I follow Gary's content from an entrepreneurial level. So it's just great to see that, um, you know, beyond his personal time that the company is really investing in helping scale these businesses in a meaningful way. Um, but also kind of from what I know about you and conversations, I feel like this is a perfect fit for you. I mean, how did you, how did you get into Saucer Group? Was this, um, did you help ideate it? Did you, um, did the idea come about and say you want to be a part of that? I mean, what, what drew you to be part of Sasha Group? Yeah. So when the Vayner Mentors program launched, I was not the person who launched it, but I was one of the first three people who worked on it. And the reason was I wasn't on any accounts. I was reporting directly into Gary, right? I was a VP of special projects at the time reporting straight into Gary. So I had the flexibility to be able to work on these consulting engagements. And I also had the experience. So while I had been working in the agency world um, by that point for you know approaching 10 years, I had an MBA. And so I had an understanding of business beyond marketing. I, I was an MBA focused in both marketing and management. I had a, a career before that in the educational sector. Um, and so my understanding of like leadership development and organizational culture, um, you know, just management concepts in general, like operations, all of these things were applicable to the consulting conversations because the focus was absolutely on marketing, but you know, you also have to make sure that the business is a viable business. And culture has been at the crux of the success that Gary has seen with all of his Vayner companies. So, you know, we're, we're talking about more than just marketing and all of that came into play. So I was one of the right people at the right time. And as soon as I worked on my first client within the Vayner Mentors program, I, I knew that there was something there, right? For me, it was sort of like, the the future of where I wanted to spend my time. I loved this idea of working with the companies that would that would be the Fortune 500 of the future. You can you can move those ships, right? I talk about big companies really being battleships, and so what we do in the in the space we get to play in in marketing is only going to move them so much. It's not really going to change the trajectory of the company. But marketing with a smaller, you know, a company that's at a smaller stage is going to impact the business. It can make or break the business. And so to have that level of impact was incredibly appealing to me. So I had said to Gary, if you choose to grow this program and extend it, I want to grow with it. I think there's incredible potential here. And I could see this being like the next stage of my work with you. So I'm super glad that I did that because his conversation to start the Sasha group came a few months after that. 
he had tapped James Orsini, who was the COO of um, VaynerX, to be the president of the Sasha Group um, because James was starting to explore what his next stage was going to be. I had worked with James on the Vayner Mentors offering, so he too knew how passionate I was about it. And so James came to me and said, we're going to launch the Sasha Group. This is going to be its focus. Will you come and run the consulting offering and be part of the leadership team here? And I said, yes. So we had started having those conversations in September of 2018. And for the next several months, we're preparing for the official launch of Sasha. So yes, I've been part of the team that has identified like what our brand stands for, our values, our mission. It's, it's been really incredible. And, you know, all of my colleagues, for the most part, have come from the VaynerMedia world. And we've worked with each other in different capacities. But we are, we're not a startup, right, because we have the backing of a, a far bigger machine. We refer to ourselves as a start right. But we have the opportunity to do something really special here. And we're all excited about it. No, that's, that's super exciting. And, um, and, you know, typically this podcast we focus on on multicultural data, um, but we also get a lot of entrepreneurs listening in, and specifically um, entrepreneurs from minority communities, Latino, African American. Um, and I know we were discussing over email some of the numbers, right? I mean, Latinos really the entrepreneurial engine of the U.S. and specifically mm-hmm. Latina Latina businesses. I mean, Latinas are starting um, more businesses than any any other ethnic cohort. Um, So, I mean, for entrepreneurs of color, maybe listening in, I mean, what are, what are some, some key nuggets there? I mean, because that's one thing that um, I think as a community, we struggle with, right? We're, we're starting businesses in records numbers, um, but, and that's great. But one of the negative things is like, once we reach a certain revenue threshold, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's hard to get past because of, I mean, and we've done research on this, um, whether that be lending, um, right. I think, you know, securing lending is kind of number one. Um, but what are some, I guess, growth hacks um, that entrepreneurs can kind of instill or some of the things that, that you would recommend to, to entrepreneurs of color trying to trying to grow their businesses? Yeah, I think, and I think this is for all entrepreneurs, but in particular for entrepreneurs of color is like, you, you have to educate yourself, like figure out what you don't know. None of us knows it all. Right. And by virtue of like how so many of us have grown up, we just haven't had exposure to a lot of things. Right. So if I use myself as the case study, I never, I didn't know what marketing was growing up. Like if you had asked me to define the term, like what is marketing? Uh, I would have said, you know, the commercials I see on TV or the ads that I see in the magazines or in the newspaper, but I, I wouldn't have really have been able to break it down beyond that. I didn't know anyone who worked in marketing, right? My dad was a blue collar worker, worked in the hotel industry. My mom did, you know, sales here and there of different different products. Um, you know, now what I know is network marketing, but that wouldn't have connected for me back then. So now that I understand the the lingo, I can look back at it and say like, oh, that's how that made sense. And how that plays out for entrepreneurs of colors uh, of color and Latinos in particular is 
you asked specifically about funding, we're not aware of all the different ways that you can fund a business, right? We The rhetoric we hear most often is um, around VCs and raising capital that way, but that's only one way. It's not the only way, right? Like we, we don't necessarily understand. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of bootstrapping going on. There's a lot of fear of taking on any kind of debt, even though debt isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Because we think about debt and we think about like, personal debt and bankruptcy. Um, you know, I I was looking through, like Stanford obviously does a lot of great work around um, the Latino entrepreneur, a lot of research. And, you know, one of the things that they were pointing out is that a lot of Latino businesses um, are running on personal lines of credit rather than business lines of credit because people don't even know where to begin to find out like what their business credit score is. And that's or, sort of or that or that even existed. I mean, I, I remember because I, I was one of the first cohorts in Stanford Latino when I first started my business. Like, that's what I just thought I had to do is put my own credit up, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a that's that's a very good point. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, and that so if you're going to like if you're going to scale, you need money. More money right. than you have in your bank accounts, right? And yeah. so that, and so that's a, a question of like how you know how much revenue can your business bring in, and doing the work to prove that out. But yeah, if you don't even know that that's an option, then you're not considering it. So that's what I think is the first thing is like you know educate yourself on what the options are, and this is big. This means asking for help. Which as a Latina personally, like I had to learn how to do that because the way that I grew up is like you didn't let people into what your problems were. Like you had to figure it out. Especially financially, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you talked about that entre familia, right? Like in the family, but you didn't really talk about that outside of things. But how can people help you if you are not asking those questions? And so, you know, there are resources. So identify what the resources are in your community. Like online makes it so easy to find resources, right? Um, just ask people. People are so much more willing to give the information and share. So, um, you know, Ramona Ortega is doing some really great work with My Money, My Future. Um, I, I sat on a panel with her um, for Hispanic Heritage Month where we were talking about like finances through the Latino lens. And she too was talking about like risk averse, right? Like being risk averse, not wanting to take on debt and not understanding that that's just part of doing business. So that area is just so, so important. I think um, even when businesses are willing to scale, I see a lot of people just jumping into trying to find investors in exchange for equity in their company. And my question to those businesses is, are you, do you understand that by giving up equity in your company, you are also giving up, you know, having a hundred percent say in the direction that your company goes. Right. And like, yeah. are you thinking about the stage of the business that you do that. And I, I met with a Latina entrepreneur in the last year who was just like, you know, I'm starting to think about fundraising. And I was like, well, let me ask you this question. Like, are you, are you profitable right now? And the answer was yes. Are you in a rush? Like, do you need to have a certain amount of money by a particular point in time? Because there are other objectives that that money needs to fund. And she was like, no, I'm not in a rush. And I was like, so then why are you feeling the need to 
fundraise right now. And it's just because you hear it, it was because she was hearing that that's what everybody was doing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, that, that's so interesting to me. I mean, is that, I mean, you work with entrepreneurs now on a regular basis. Is that, um, is that something you hear often? Just like this, this kind of obsession with fundraising before even getting the foundation of a business together? Oh my gosh, yes. People looking for fundraising and all they have is an idea. Like not even a business plan. Like the idea isn't even on paper. And then when you, you know, and I also see when I get a business plan, it's not uncommon for it to be lacking in showing me how they're going to make money or who the team is behind it. Yeah. And I I think part of the frustration, right, is like, we and and there it may not be many right and maybe i'm 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 pointing to anecdotal stories but we do see a lot of businesses getting funding that are not sound right mm-hmm. um so i think like it's like a chicken and an egg thing or is did this start because you know that's the culture out there or have there been lots of instances where companies are getting businesses companies are getting funded at kind of ridiculous levels that didn't really have a foundation um, but either way, that doesn't change the facts about what we're talking about, right? Like funding is definitely not the only way to start a business. Absolutely not, right? So you need a sound idea and then you need to prove out like how you're going to bring that idea to life and who's going to bring it to life, right? You need to have an understanding of what you don't know. So like how far will what you know get you? And then once you've gotten to that place, like how do you expand on that? Are you going to upskill yourself? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are going to make you stronger in those particular areas where you're lacking? Um, you know, what's the you you need to have a plan? And look, it's also okay. I don't I don't want to suggest that if you don't scale your business, your business is not a success, right? Like you determine what success yeah. is, but. I would never want people to be in a scenario of not growing their business because they didn't know it was an option or they didn't know how. If you make a conscious decision to keep your business small because that's what you're looking for, that is totally fine too. But I would rather you make that decision knowing what the alternative was. <clears throat> totally. And and do you ever, you know, as we were talking, um, you know, another thing that's prevalent um, and I'm thinking. I'm thinking specifically of Latino-owned businesses, like family-owned businesses. Um, has has Sasha Group ever worked with family-owned businesses where, like, they've reached a level of kind of stagnation across a really long period of time, and there's someone new coming in taking over the business? Or do you have any advice for family businesses that um, are getting taken taken over by a newer generation and? I don't know. There's a, there's an interesting dynamic there to be explored as well. Yeah, that's and it crosses over, right? It's not just in um, communities of color. I think in general, like there's a lot of um, legacy and and these transitions, like the hand me off from you know parent to child at this stage, it's it's happened forever in business. But I think particularly now because of how digital has changed the landscape of business, um, it means that for the most part, you're going to be doing things very differently than, you know, the family member who passed it down to you, 
who you're inheriting it from. So I think there's um, an added level of pressure on the folks who are taking the helm because um, there's a there's a lot of digital transformation that needs to happen in the business. And it's going to seem so different to, you know, your, your parent who passed it down to you and you don't want to, you don't want it to come across as disrespectful. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's for sure an added pressure. Um, You know, I think whatever you can do to educate your family member who you're taking it on from as to like why this is important um, and sort of like bring them along for the journey as opposed to just saying like, we now need to do things differently because your way of thinking was old. It's like, no, teach them, you know, teach them the new aspect of it. But I think there's always going to be some friction there. Um, And so it really comes down to, you know, how do you lay out the terms of this? So do you just call it out from the very beginning to say like, hey, some of this is going to seem uncomfortable. It's going to seem pretty different from what you would be doing. But you know, call a spade a spade. Like I'm not doing this as a sign of disrespect. I'm doing this as a sign of like, you know, the the newer consumer needs to see things in a different way or seeks out information, seeks out a product or service in a different way. And so we're moving the business to attract, you know, to meet them where they are. So talking it through as opposed to like, um, just saying like, it's got to be different. Well, how you, it, it's not about the old way is the wrong way. It's just that the business has to evolve to meet current needs. For sure. And I feel like, I mean, interestingly, with family businesses that I've been exposed to and talked to, it's like they're still managing that transition to digital. Yeah. Right. Like, like, because you have these generational businesses that have existed before digital marketing. I mean, many, some even before online. So it's like, how do we modernize it, keeping the integrity of what the business was from a, you know, mission and values perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but then transitioning. And like you said, like making it a respectful conversation, it's not about disrespect, but it's really about, okay, how are we going to usher it into this new phase? Exactly. Awesome. Well, we um, are almost out of time. Um, this is a great conversation and thanks. Thanks for coming on. I know this is a, typically a, a data podcast, but this was super interesting. Um, and because we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast that have looking for kind of multicultural marketing expertise, but I thought you'd be a great guest to talk about, you know, how, how people can scale their businesses. Um, so if people want to follow you online, how can we find you? Twitter, LinkedIn? Oh, LinkedIn for sure. You can find me under my name. So it's the the in forward slash Maribel A. Lara. But if you if you search for me, you should be able to find me. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram and Twitter as Latina underscore sweetie. Awesome. Thanks again. It was great catching up with you, Maribel. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, Mario. It was a great conversation. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, Check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform.